Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte approves the recommendations of several cabinet officials to declare Taal Volcano Island a no-man's land. That says the Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology warns Taal's eruption could last for weeks. The Human Rights Watch reports the Duterte drug war remained the Philippines' gravest human rights concern in 2019. And the first batch of repatriated Filipino workers in Iraq finally on their way home. Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Welcome to the program. The Taal Volcano Island here in the Philippines now a no man's land. President Duterte has approved the recommendations of several cabinet officials to no longer allow anyone to live there. Among those who wanted the island off limits is Defense Secretary Delfin Lorenzana. I strongly believe, uh, recommend that uh, we strictly implement the suggestion or the recommendation that the, uh, the Tal Island will be the declared no man's land. <clears throat> If there will be another explosion uh, more violent, I think all people there will perish in that island. The isle remains under alert level 4, which means a more dangerous eruption is possible within hours or days. The president says those living near the rumbling volcano should not be allowed to return to their homes just yet. Last Sunday, January 12, after months of unrest, the Taal volcano erupted, displacing families, damaging homes, and destroying farmland and livestock, which are major sources of income for the province of Batangas and nearby areas. After the explosion, Labao, fountaining, and other several earthquakes followed. As of this moment, the Al Volcano continues to be on the alert level 4. Nobody is allowed to go there, to go back, until such time that you are safe. President Duterte, meanwhile, says he's very satisfied with government's response to Taal Volcano's eruption. The president on Tuesday attended a situation briefing on the relief efforts in Batangas, where he promised assistance to local officials and all those affected by the calamity. First of all, let me congratulate the uh, local uh, governments for their splendid response to the crisis. And of course, uh, coming uh, behind uh, to take care of the people here during the rumble, uh, and to that, and I was even even informed by Governor Mandanas that uh, uh, the first to arrive was General Bautista of the DSWD. I'd like to congratulate you for uh, a job well done. Uh, this crisis uh, seems to be a continuing one. Whether it will grow into a big uh, uh, explosion or it will simmer down, uh, we have yet to let us see what develops in the days to come. The local and national government must stay for a while and do their work. Uh, until such time that we are ready 
to declare that the crisis is over. The president also apologized for being out of the public eye during the first hours after Ta'al's eruption last Sunday. I'm sorry I was not around. I was in Davao, but I was preparing to leave that night when I was informed that I could not uh, make it because of the act. So at early morning, I insisted that uh, I have to be here because there's a crisis. At pinilit ko yung Europlano. Philippine Vice President Lenny Robredo also visited Batangas Tuesday. There she met with evacuees and handed out relief supplies, including face masks. The Vice President promises her office will provide more assistance to the victims of Taal's eruption. The Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology, or FIVOX, warns residents in high-risk areas not to return to their homes despite an apparent easing in the activity of Taal's main crater. FIVOX Director Renato Soledum says the volcano is still showing signs of a make-that-possible hazardous eruption. New fissures and ground deformation have been observed in the areas around Taal. More than 400 quakes have also been recorded since Taal's eruption Sunday. The explosive eruption that uh, uh, we are using as a scenario, and this is the scenario that we have been preparing for together with the Patangas Provincial Disaster Risk Reduction and Management Office, uh, is still possible simply because of the fact that we still have a lot of earthquakes and ground deformation uh, within the area. And this is interpreted uh, by considering that perhaps the magma is intruding causing movement of the fissures and also deforming the ground. We have seen this uh, kind of uh, attempts to go back to their residential areas uh, in many volcanoes, uh, even at Mayon. But let us uh, remind the public and the local government officials that uh, we have to be vigilant. The eruption is not a one-shot deal. Um, it can last for many days or even weeks, so we have to be uh, vigilant and uh, be mindful of our safety always. The Philippine Health Department orders a price freeze on medicines and other medical supplies in areas hit by the Al Volcano's eruption. Among the items under the price cap, nebulizers and face masks, which were reportedly being sold 10 times their original price following Sunday's massive ashfall. The price freeze will remain in effect until President Duterte lifts it. We also ask the help of the local government units to make sure no, that the medicines are available to our ano, to the patients at the regular set price. As for the Philippine Trade Department, it says it has issued notices of violation against 12 stores in Bambang, Manila for selling overpriced face masks. The department strongly reminds retailers to refrain from unreasonably increasing their prices of basic essential medicine or other basic necessities and prime commodities enumerated in the Price, Ask, Price Act, including, of course, N95 masks and other medical supplies. Prices of manufactured basic goods shall likewise remain unchanged as of the published the September 30, 2019, DTI suggested retail price bulletin. Those found to have committed profiteering or any other illegal act of price manipulation will be dealt with 
to the highest extent of the law. We will file administrative and criminal charges against business establishments violating the Consumer Act and other pertinent laws. In other news, Human Rights Watch calls on the international community to push back against what it calls the most pervasive and brutal oppression that China has seen in decades. In its 2020 annual report, the rights group condemned Beijing's treatment of Uyghur Muslims. It also criticized Hong Kong's pro-Beijing leader, Carrie Lam, for refusing to launch an independent probe into police abuses in the Asian financial hub. Last Sunday, HRW's global head was denied entry to Hong Kong, where he was expected to launch his group's report on the global human rights situation. The Chinese government is terrified of admitting this genuine desire for democracy on territory that they rule. Because if they admit that this is um, an indigenous and natural, a spontaneous desire, rather than what they claim it's a foreign imposition, it's Human Rights Watch inciting people, then what's happening in Hong Kong might spread to the mainland. And that's really the big fear. The Chinese government depends on repression at home to stay in power. It sees human rights as an existential threat. Last month, China announced sanctions on Human Rights Watch and other American NGOs as a countermeasure to the U.S.-Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. That measure supports anti-government protests in Hong Kong and threatens China with sanctions for human rights violations. Well, the same Human Rights Watch report says the Duterte drug war was the Philippines' gravest human rights concern in 2019. Human Rights Watch Deputy Asia Director Phil Robertson says four years into the war on drugs, the campaign remains brutal, adding the need for international mechanisms to provide accountability is as great as ever. The New York-based group says over 12,000 people, mostly urban poor, have been killed since the start of the anti-narcotics campaign. And of that number, more than 2,500 were attributed to the Philippine National Police. Human Rights Watch also accuses President Duterte and other senior officials of instigating the killings in what he says, or it says, is a campaign that could amount to crimes against humanity. The first batch of Filipino workers repatriated from Iraq finally on their way home. The Filipinos were met by the Philippines' special envoy to the Middle East, Roy Simato, in Doha for their connecting flight to Manila. They were supposed to fly out Monday, but were held at the Baghdad International Airport for over 17 hours due to a problem with the exit visas of some members of the group. The Philippine government says some 1,600 Filipinos have expressed their intent to be repatriated due to ongoing tensions between the U.S. and Iran. The lawyer who first filed a case against Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte's war on drugs before the International Criminal Court has withdrawn his complaint. Tina Monson Palma tells us why. Months after his falling out with former Senator Antonio Trillanes IV, Jude Sabio, the lawyer who first filed a communication with the International Criminal Court against the Philippines' drug war, has taken steps to withdraw the ICC filing. In a video provided to the media Tuesday by suspended lawyer Lorenzo Gadon, Sabio could be seen signing a statement before a notary public. <laughs> Para sa 
Gadon later sent a photo showing the document has been sent to ICC prosecutor Fatou Bensouda. Sabio says he will fly to The Hague, Netherlands himself to submit his letter to the ICC. Sabio has yet to provide a full copy of his letter, but the brief excerpts shown to media indicate money concerns, which he discussed with ABS-CBN News back in September. He accused Trillanes of owing him 700,000 pesos in unpaid billings for handling whistleblower Edgar Matobato's cases. But Trillanes denied having any professional relationship with Sabio. In a statement Tuesday, Trillanes dismisses Sabio's plan to withdraw the communication, saying it will not have any effect because the procedure in the ICC is different from the court procedures in the Philippines. He says the ICC prosecutor will rely on the testimonies of Matobato and fellow whistleblower Arturo Lascañas. And even assuming Sabio's communication will be withdrawn, he and former Representative Gary Alejano still have a separate communication. Sabio's communication is just one of 52 communications filed before the ICC as of December 2018 based on the annual report of the ICC prosecutor. More communications were filed in 2019. For international law professor Romel Bagares, while Sabio's withdrawal will buoy the confidence of the president's defenders, it has no evidentiary weight because it pertains to largely irrelevant matters as Matobatos and Lascañas testimonies refer to the Davao Death Squad, which was before Rodrigo Duterte's time as president. Philippine Coalition for the ICC co-chair Ray Paolo Santiago also thinks Sabio's withdrawal will not have any effect because the facts can be verified independently. In her 2019 annual report, Bensuda said her office had examined a wide range of sources such as hundreds of media and academic articles and reports and public statements of intergovernmental governmental and non-governmental organizations. They will endeavor to finish the preliminary exam by 2020. Trilliana says that the fact that Duterte forces like Gadon got to Sabio is an indication they fear the upcoming ruling of the ICC. Tina Monzon Palma, ABS-CBN News. Meanwhile, the office of the ICC prosecutor has made it clear Attorney Sabio could not withdraw his complaint. In a statement, the prosecutor said the information that has come to the agency's possession or control cannot be returned nor destroyed. The prosecutor added any withdrawal would have no impact on the ICC's ongoing preliminary examination of the Duterte administration's bloody war on drugs. Well, Jude Sabio's lawyer insists Malacanang had no hand in his client's withdrawal of the ICC complaint against President Duterte. Larry Gadon asserts Sabio withdrew his case because he realized the accusations against Duterte were baseless and politically motivated. Gadon, a staunch supporter of Duterte, also denies he paid Sabio to back down. Was he pressured by Malacanang to withdraw this communication? No, he's not. Malacanang has nothing to do with this. In fact, President Duterte doesn't even mind this case. Baliwala ito sa Malacanang. As I can see the, their reactions on this, 
Hindi naman nila iniintindi to because they know that this is just for political uh, propaganda of uh, Trillanes and Delima. So lately, uh, he realized that uh, these uh, charges against uh, uh, President Duterte like uh, the uh, alleged uh, extrajudicial killings, eh, wala naman palang talaga mga ebidensya. It's not only about money but uh, about his conviction also that he uh, realized, he really realized that uh, he was taken for uh, granted, he was taken for a ride, and he was just used uh, and uh, exploited for this uh, political propaganda. And that's today's online edition of Dateline Philippines. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. Don't forget to like and share this video and leave your comments below.